chapter 24 this morning. Leviticus chapter 24. Um, again, I so much enjoy looking to God's Word and seeing how God from the very beginning has illustrated to us uh, the things that He expects, uh, the things that He has planned, all the things that He has laid out and designed, and uh, we saw that last week when, and the couple weeks before that when we were looking at the Feasts of Israel, that God had laid out a weekly calendar, then he laid out a yearly calendar to picture everything that's going on. Uh, upcoming, we'll be looking at the seven sevens from God's Word. Uh, so uh, just to, again, confirm how God uses that uh, as a plan that he has when he sevens something. It means he has designed a point in which things are complete, things are fulfilled, and he uses that number seven to remind us of that. And we're going to see a little bit of that this morning. Um, but today, we're looking at um, more responsibility of the priests. All right, and we're going to be looking at that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and just as a reminder, the book of Leviticus, the book of the Levites, okay, uh, that which pertaineth to the priests and the priesthood. And we've been looking at that over between the uh, feasts, between the sacrifices, between the garbs that they had to wear, their clothing. Uh, but today we're going to be looking at the priest's responsibility to care for the light in the tabernacle. Okay, and uh, so we're just going to be looking at a few uh, verses. There's so much packed into these first several verses of this chapter uh, that uh, we really can't go a whole lot further because as you and I are New Testament priests, okay, that once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has made us a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests. And the things that he wanted to, uh, the Old Testament priests to fulfill physically in the tabernacle and the temple are the spiritual things that he wants us as priests to fulfill in this tabernacle, in our life, okay? Uh, and we know that Paul hits that several times when he says, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Okay, and uh, he reminds us that this is where he dwells now, thank the Lord. Uh, it's not this building, Okay, um, we had uh, breakers blowing again this morning and leaky floors in the basement. And, uh, you know, thank the Lord it's not uh, sticks and carpet, amen, that God chooses to dwell within us. But with that in mind, if the Old Testament priests needed to be concerned about the light in the tabernacle, well, then we as New Testament priests also need to be concerned about the light in the tabernacle. Uh, so hopefully you're getting an idea where we're going to be going here in a moment. So let's go and read the first few verses of chapter 24 of Leviticus. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto, uh, unto thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation shall Aaron order it from the evening till morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever throughout in your generations. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlesticks before the Lord continually. And thou shalt take flour, uh, fine flour, and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two-tenths deal shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows of six, uh, six in a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. And thou shalt put frankincense upon each row, that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray you would uh, open our understanding again. Help us to see the truth of your word. And Lord, we're going to cover this in a few moments, and there is no way uh, I can convey it there is no way we could understand it if it were not for the Holy Spirit within us. And so, Father, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who is here to remind us, to guide us through the Word, Lord, that uh, he would make it clear today. Be with my mind as I begin to try to share these things. Uh, Lord, there are so many amazing truths packed in just these few, first few verses. And Lord, it applies to us very much today. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help us. 
Uh, help us to be ready to adjust our lives. Uh, Lord, to be better servants. Lord, and better witnesses. So, Father, thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Slide number one. God commands that the priest should care for the light. This is something you're seeing. One of the jobs of daily activities for the priests was to make sure the light never went out. Okay, that they uh, tended it, that they fed it, that they made sure it was exactly what it should be, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. But uh, they were to make sure that light was always shining, that it never went out. And I hope you see it, and we'll address it here in a few more minutes, that uh, twice he said it would always continually be burning. Okay, it wasn't a point where those candles ought to go out. There would be a light shining all the time. Well, we're given the same command as Christians. How many uh, times have we read in God's Word in the New Testament that ye are the light of the world? Okay, that we are the ones who are shining. Amen? That Jesus himself, the light that we see in John chapter 1, who lit every man that comes into this world, and that light that John the Baptist talked about, and, uh, but he's not here. He's given us the job of illuminating. Okay, also, uh, and what we'll see as we tie this in next week, just because there's so much here, is this light was positioned so that it would light the word of God. It was set by the table of showbread. Okay, and that light, and that's why we read the next portion at the table of showbread and the bread that's on the table, that it will always be a light for that. And that's something that you and I need to remind ourselves that we need to do is we need to light the word of God. Okay, we need to illuminate it. And there's the point that we're going to be talking about today. There are two factors in this light, the Holy Spirit and God's church. Okay, both of them are pictures here, and both of them have a responsibility of making the truth of God's word plain to this world. And we were talking in Sunday school about this, how the truth is what is the focus. And uh, John did that in, in John, the gospel, in the first John. Now we're seeing it again in second John, that he's reminding us about the truth of God's word. That's what we're fo focusing on today. So as we talk about you and I being a light, okay, there are certain things we will be lighting, but the most important is the truth. Amen? Um, so with that in mind, let's keep going. I want to look at some of the characteristics of the light. And um, this excites me. Uh, again, when you see how God puts these pictures together and how he just envelops the different imageries to give us understanding, it's great. Um, the characteristics of the light. First thing, we have a menorah. Anybody ever see a menorah? If you say no, you're lying. The picture's right up there. Okay, so there's a menorah. Some of you have seen a menorah. It's similar to a candelabra, but uh, the difference between it is a menorah has a center post and then it has six branches that come from the center post. Okay, uh, this is a, uh, a reproduction of what they believe the tabernacle uh, and the temple menorah would have looked like. There are different ones where you'll see the center post might be slightly taller, but the object is there are seven candles lit in this menorah. All right, um, this is that light that would have been in the tabernacle. This is an imagery of what these priests would have been tending. All right? Um, it doesn't necessarily... Huh, we already went to the next slide. Okay, the candlestick the menorah was meant to light the table of showbread, that bread of life, and that is what we are talking about. We'll cover more of this next week, but there were certain parts and certain things in the temple, in the tabernacle, that were needed to be seen. Okay? You could not go over and switch a light switch on. Okay, you could not bring your cell phone on and turn on the flashlight part of it, or uh, you know they didn't light matches and, and come. They didn't have a strike on match kind of thing. This was something where this was a continually burning, because it was important that you illuminated those things that were part of the tabernacle. All right, I hope we're getting this imagery together. Um, we the bottom of the slide. Next part should say we were to light the entire tabernacle, okay? And we'll see this develop out. So we light the bread, we light the rest of the furniture in the tabernacle, but by the end of the morning, we're going to see where our responsibility to light truly lies, all right? Um, I want to talk about some of the things 
that are important to understanding where this light comes from. Now, there are so many thoughts rolling around in my head, I'm having trouble putting them all in, in place. But the first one is, what, if, what fuels this light? Okay, what is it that fuels this light? Okay, it is olive oil, and we understand that in the scripture, the picture of oil in God's word is the Holy Spirit. Okay, it has always been that way. It is a picture that has been understood for, uh, since the beginning that the Holy Spirit is pictured with oil. We talk about the anointed oil and the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. The, he, the Holy Spirit of God, is the fuel for this light. Are you with me so far? I want you just to understand this because these pieces fit together and we need to, under, uh, need to see this imagery. It's pretty cool. Without the Holy Spirit of God, there is absolutely no way that we could understand or light or dis- display or describe the Word of God to anyone. Okay, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life at salvation and he takes up permanent residence and he anoints you, you are able to understand the scriptures for the first time. He illuminates them to you. He makes it clear. Okay, it makes manifest. We'll see that word again. How many of you, before you uh, met the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, had read the Bible? And you looked at it and just shook your head and said, ah, I don't get it. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And I, quite a few people, thankfully, as a, I received the Lord as a younger child, so I hadn't spent a lot of time digging through the Word of God. Okay, so I had the benefit of not seeing that, but I speak to quite a few adults who said, man, I pick up the Word of God and didn't understand a word of it. Read through it all the time. Well, it's because without God's Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to understand. As a matter of fact, this verse comes to mind very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now this is the important part about this. Without God's Holy Spirit's involvement, the light cannot be effective. Now, as much as that sounds like something we know very very well, We need to be careful that we are not depending on our own efforts, our own strength, our own intellect, our own debating ability to make the God's word clear, to show our witness. It is not about how smart we are. It is not about how much of the Bible you have read. I've told you many times I'm a fan of uh, uh, watching Discovery Channel things and, and, and learning scientific things and historical things. But you know, there will get, you will get people in there who are experts on the Bible who don't even believe Jesus Christ is Savior. Because they've spent their life studying the Bible, but they don't have God's Holy Spirit within them to guide them. And when they talk about the Bible, you wonder, like, where are they? What Bible are they reading? I don't understand why they don't understand it. It's because without the Holy Spirit of God within you to guide you through that truth, You could read it backwards, frontwards, you can get a degree in it from a college. But the issue, it's not how our intellect and our understanding can process it. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. We have to have the Holy Spirit's involvement in this. So, when we're talking about this light in the Old Testament and making sure it's there to be a witness, be a testimony, to illuminate the Word of God... You have to have God's Holy Spirit, and that's the picture here. The oil is the key. All right, so we keep going on. We're anointed with the Holy Spirit of God when we're saved. The next slide says, okay. Uh, But the anointing in 1 John, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, okay, and it is a truth and no lie that even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. We talked about this in the verse I just quoted, that with, when God's Holy Spirit comes within you, he will guide you in all truth. Okay, and this is the amazing thing, and I've said this before, um, there are folks who will come say, Pastor, I'll never understand the word of God the way you do. Don't you dare say that. Because if you've got the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you've got exactly what I've got. Okay? See what it says here. When God's Holy Spirit is within you, He is all that you need. 
You don't need anyone else. Now, please don't take that the wrong way. Oh, well, then why do I come to church? Well, because God's put a system of us together to exhort one another and encourage one another and to teach one another and to, you know, prod one another to do the right thing. But you don't need my brain to understand the scripture. Lord help you if you did. This brain's a mess. God's Holy Spirit is the one that guides us in the truth. And when Dan and myself and you guys witness, when we're up here teaching, we depend wholly upon God's Holy Spirit to give us understanding that the words that we say come out in a way that he would be using and that you hearing it would understand. And that's why each one of us get what we need from the word of God. Amen. It's an amazing thing when we think about it, but without it. So this is a picture of these Old Testament priests tending to these lights. It is essential that we understand the Holy Spirit is the one that lights. Okay, He is the one that gives illumination. But with that in mind, we, uh, we see how the oil is removed. Okay, oil comes from pressing and beating the olives. Did you catch that in this chapter? It says, Command Israel that they may bring the pure oil olive beaten for a light. Okay, um, olive oil, uh, you don't just uh, speak to an olive and oil pours out. Okay, uh, it needs to be pressed, it needs to be beaten. Um, it takes a little effort um, and we see that in our lives. How many of you um, ever went through a tough time? How many of you going through a tough time today? Okay. Uh, the Lord often uses tough times in our lives to uh, get our flesh out of the way. And guys, who, on Wednesday night we've been studying Job, and uh, if there's a story about a tough time, that somebody went through. We know it's Job, okay? That's pretty understood across uh, the centuries. But the issue is God removing our flesh from the picture. We don't want to be in the way until that flesh gets removed and we depend wholly upon God's Holy Spirit. And I keep saying that holy W-H-O, okay? I will probably should change it to fully when we fully depend upon God's Holy Spirit and realize that in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. Look with me if you would. Um, well, I don't want to jump things, but God presses us. Notice also it's something that you and I need to voluntarily bring to the Lord. He says that you will bring that pure oil beaten for the light. Guys, on Wednesday night, we just studied this with Job. You know, one of the examples we learned from Job, and Job finally got the picture laid out, and it took us 23 chapters to get there, that Job said, in all this, I just needed to seek God. I needed to find God. I needed to talk to God. I wanted to go before his throne. I want to... That's the issue. Anything in our lives, and the sad part is, too often it's hard times that make us seek the Lord. When things are going smoothly, we don't. But when tough times come, all of a sudden we're at God's throne begging him for an answer. But you know what? The answer to every situation is seek God. Go to him. Hear this imagery. He says, I want you to bring this beaten oil, these olives, to me. And I will use it for a light. Too often we may try to do it in our own strength. And that gets us into big trouble. Now the Apostle Paul lays out a verse... And I didn't write it all out because it's quite a lengthy passage, but if you look to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Now, I think I wrote something at the bottom of that slide, hang on, that I missed. Notice, we need to seek God. Interestingly enough, you know what the uh, olive is described as? What's underneath the skin is called the flesh of the olive or the flesh of the grape. Isn't that amazing? That God says, listen, you need to press this, you need to beat this, and you need to squeeze out the oil from the flesh. Because until you separate that from the flesh, you're, you're not going to get that pure 
olive oil. It's amazing to me how God continues to do this. You don't just plop an olive on the, on the thing. You've got to squeeze that flesh until there's nothing left. You throw the flesh aside and the oil is all that remains. God, he just thought of everything. Amen. If you look, if you would, to uh, 2 Corinthians. So keep your finger here in Leviticus. We will be back. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4. God uh, lays out some of this understanding for us about how important the Holy Spirit's involvement is in our daily witness and our shining his light. Look at, let's start at verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, walking not in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of the Lord. But listen, if our gospel be hid, it is him to them that are, hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. But we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You understand that? He, Paul says, listen, we're not doing this of our own strength. We're shining the light of God, which he has given unto us. Notice, it can be hid. Now, we're going to address this pretty much uh, the rest of the morning. Um, how often was that candle supposed to burn in the temple? All the time, continually, right? So if you have the light of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ within you, do we ever take a break from that? Now again, I, I love our church, but I think that sometimes we may fall into this category. But I think we know also that there are other people who call themselves Christians who are all interested in shining the light of God's word and his truth and his witness on a Sunday. But what about the other six days of the week? Do we take a break? Again, this is something that needs to be continually happening. You and I can hide the gospel, can't we? He just said, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid from those who are lost. How, how many of you uh, sing the old kid's song, right? Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. We know the passage of Scripture, right? The Lord Jesus himself says, listen, if you've got a light, you don't put it under a basket. If you've got a light, you set it up on the hill in the city so everybody can see it. But one of the sad truths is you and I can hide the light, can't we? Well, this is the encouragement that, that we're seeing all the way back in the temple with the book of Leviticus and the priests, is it should never go out. It should be burning continuously. Um, because the people need to see the light in us. Okay, He says here, God commanded us to shine the light because there are people in this world who haven't seen it. This is the encouragement from this morning, is you and I need to be shining. Never taking a break, never letting it go out. Well, Pastor, I'm tired. Yeah, hi, me too. Pastor, I had a bad day. I just don't feel like shining. Remember we talked about that oil gets pressed out of the old flesh? Look at what he says in the, nest, the rest of this passage. So he's talking about, don't hide your gospel. Let that light shine. And listen to what Paul says again in verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Ha, ha, ha. Stop there for a minute. Um, as much as I might look like it, I'm not perfect. 
Okay, I, I got bad back, got glasses, got flat feet, you know, we're sinners. These are earthen vessels, guys. We're damaged goods. But notice what he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God knows that our lives are not perfect. But he's still chosen to let us shine the light. Okay, keep going in that verse. That the excellency of the power of God of the power may be of God and not of us. You want to know why we're such a mess? Because he reminds us that we can't do anything without him. Without God's Holy Spirit in our lives, our, our efforts are useless. Keep going. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life also of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, Behold, and therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which has raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. He basically says, listen, we're pushed about. We're in, uh, what's the, I want to make sure I get it right. We have trouble on every side. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We always are bearing in the body this death. Okay, Our old flesh is a mess. But God's Holy Spirit in us works through us for that light to shine. Why? So the power wouldn't be of us. Man, there, this morning, I can't get my brain together for nothing. I'm just telling you. I, my brain is scattered all over this morning. And I know why. Because of what we're preaching. If I had it all together, I had all my thoughts lined up and everything, I could just lay this thing out and say, Man, Lord, wasn't we doing good this morning preaching? Man, I'm scatterbrained. Why? I love it because it's not about my ability. It is about the Holy Spirit's taking his word and making it clear. That is what the key is. So here we're picturing this, uh, this idea of this candlestick with these candles to shine a light. And the power comes from God's Holy Spirit, not from us. Let's look to the next slide. The light was to burn continually. We just saw that. and I told you we'd get there. Not just on Sundays. But every day. We are to be a we. I, I wrote this and I, I just said it. And I wanted to correct myself. I wrote we are to be a witness. But I, want, I, I edited that and fixed it. We are a witness. So often we think, oh, I need to be a witness for the Lord. Well, if you've got Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a witness for the Lord. What kind of witness are you being? You don't get a chance to just say, you know, well, it's Monday morning. I'm not going to be a, a Christian today. I'm not going to be an example. You are an example. Just what kind of example are you being? We are supposed to shine continually. There is no time that we should take a break. That light burns non-stop continually next slide it is set upon the candlestick now this is cool to me there's a difference between the light and the candlesticks okay the light is that thing that is shining illuminating the candlestick is the foundation that things are set upon um there are two points to this the holy spirit and the church both of them are pictured and we'll see that, that this light, this ability that we have to eliminate are two things uh, pictured by this candlestick. Um, number one, both of them light the world. Okay, and kind of easy to understand. Where is the Holy Spirit located right now? In us. 
Okay, remember Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon you know, believers, God's people now and then to empower them, but he has taken up permanent residence where two or more are gathered. He's right in the midst of us. He is here. Okay? That's why this is so important that we understand these two pictures. This foundational truth is the light, the candlesticks, what bears the light. Number one is the Holy Spirit, but it's also his church. Keep going. The Holy Spirit um, being this candlestick. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 5. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the Lord, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, I wanted to uh, address this. We went when we were studying the book of Revelation. And um, so get a pencil out. Write this in your margin. You say, wait a second. I thought there was one Holy Spirit. What does this mean by seven spirits of God? Are there seven Holy Spirits? Okay, keep this in mind, all right, as we look through this. Look, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm trying to keep my finger in these different pages. So this candlestick are the seven spirits of God. Isaiah chapter 11. And again, I love the fact, and I wanted to take time to do this this morning, to always let God's Holy Spirit, get, let God's word define itself. So we say, what are these seven spirits? That's confusing me. Don't be confused. Chapter 11. Look at this verse. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you can count there, but it says that the spirit of the Lord, there's one, and there are three groupings of two aspects of the Holy Spirit. How many is that? Seven. As a matter of fact, if you consider... Run back in your mind a couple of slides. What is the menorah shaped like? It has one central trunk, the Spirit of the Lord, and then it has three different groupings of two each, seven. The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of knowledge and uh, of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. There are the seven spirits of God described. It's one spirit but seven different aspects of the same spirit. Okay? This is amazing to me. God pictures the spirit of God, who is the fuel for the lamp, for the light. The lamp, the light, has seven candlesticks, seven branches, and all seven branches are described right here, clearly, the seven spirits of God. So even God designing a seven-stalk menorah candlestick reminds us that it's God's Holy Spirit in his fullness. Don't miss that. This is amazing to me that we think, oh, you know, God goes a little nuts with the number seven, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Even here, this, the, the Holy Spirit is described as seven aspects reflected in not a candlestick with just one branch, but seven different branches. As a matter of fact, we see this even more in... Uh, Zechariah. Zechariah talks about the king Zerubbabel. All right, and you can go read the rest of this passage later on, one through six. But uh, just Zerubbabel was the kind of uh, governmental leader at the time. And uh, there was a spiritual leader at the time, but he was sort of the governmental leader at the time. And he's looking to lead God's people. And God reminds him of his absolute truth. And it's not the strength of your army, it's not the, the depth of your decrees and commandments as the governmental leader. Look what he says. Uh, well, I probably should read the whole passage from God's word, but Zerubbabel was, yeah, let me go read this. I don't want to just misquote it. Zechariah. Listen to what the word of God says. And the angel talked with me, came again, and waked me. 
as a man that is wakened out of a sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, seven pipes to seven lamps, which were on the top thereof, and two olive trees upon the right hand and the left side of the bowl, and there was one on the uh, left side. So I answered and spake unto the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel which talked to me answered and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said unto him, No, my Lord. And he, he spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, nor by my spirit, uh, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So Zerubbabel sees this candlestick with seven different branches to it. He says, I don't get why, Lord. You know, you're trying to, I'm trying to lead these people. Why are you showing me a candlestick? Makes no sense. And he says, why? Because it's not by might, it's not by power, it is by my spirit. So you get this picture, we're seeing this whole thing unfold. In the tabernacle, this seven-branch candlesticks, which is lit by the olive oil, is there as the way in which we illuminate God's truth is. We shine forth. And God says, listen, that Holy Spirit, all seven branches is important and pictured in the Word of God. And actually, if you look down a couple of more verses in this chapter, it talks about the fact that those seven spirits are the seven eyes of the Lord which wander about the earth watching, taking in everything. He's, it's an amazing thing to me. So, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the power, the force, behind the light that you and I shine. But next slide. Oh, there it is. Forgot I put this up there. Well, whoso despiseth the day of small things, for they shall rejoice and see the plummet of the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, they are the eyes of the Lord, which runneth to and fro throughout the earth. God's Holy Spirit, that Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of strength, wisdom, power, understanding, are the eyes of the Lord that are watching. You want to know how to shine? Depend upon the eyes of the Lord, His Holy Spirit. Okay, next part. It's a picture of the church. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. And I turned to see, uh, to see the voice which spake unto me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. There's the seven again, all right? We just saw it pictured the Holy Spirit. Okay, but, next part. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars of the seven angels of the churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, I'm hoping this helps us understand the importance of what we have to do. We have this light that God's describing all the way back in the Old Testament that's supposed to light the bread, supposed to light the tabernacle. It is a witness. It is a testimony. It is powered by the Holy Spirit. It is fixed. It is set upon. Its foundation is, number one, that Holy Spirit, but number two, His church. And it's so important that we understand it. The Holy Spirit has permanent residence in us. He works through the New Testament local church, for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That candlestick in the Bible is also pictured as the church. Now get that. That is why it's so important that you and I are going out there shining the light. Now who is the church? Ah, somebody said it. The little small word starts with a W, ends with an E, two letters. We are the church. Okay, that's the amazing part of this. There's not one person in any church who has a greater responsibility to shine the light than someone else. But, 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 but you're a pastor, uh, Brother Dan, he's a pastor. M most definitely you guys have a greater responsibility. No. We have been given God's Holy Spirit just like you have. But the church, each one of us, is given this responsibility to go shine the light. Continually, nonstop. 
All of this laid out in these first couple of verses in Leviticus. I, it's amazing to me how God continues to put these things together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among which ye shine as lights in the world. Who is that? Us. Next slide. Matthew, Jesus is talking, and he said, Ye are, uh, are the light of the world. A city that's set upon a hill cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that it may give light unto those that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now this is the cool part to me, and this is the encouragement to all of us this morning, and we, that was all introduction to get to this point. It is there to shine on the word of God, the table of showbread. It is there to illuminate the rest of the tabernacle. But here we see that it is meant to be a light unto the world, unto all men. Next slide. We're supposed to let, uh, where? In the whole world. Look back to Leviticus. Something neat here we saw. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 3 said that this light would to burn continually without the veil of the testimony. So even though, yes, it was supposed to shine there to illuminate the bread on the table of showbread, and we'll look more at that next week, and it was supposed to light the interior of the, te- the, the holy place where God's people are, are caring for the things of the tabernacle, but it was also designed to shine without the veil. You ever wonder why the tabernacle never had a roof on it? I mean, I understood that the Shekinah glory in the cloud, but that nighttime when the candles were always uh, lit, that you could see that light from almost anywhere. As long as you were approaching the tabernacle, as long as you could see that tent, you could see the light continually it never went out and he says listen it's not just for us and this is why the lord jesus and so many others in our new testament said go yeah you expect when we come into god's house we're going to shine the light here right and we're going to get ask god's holy spirit to guide us and show us his word but it doesn't stop here it's supposed to go unto the world let your light so shine before men that the those that are in the world could see the light of our Lord. Notice when. When. Now, I didn't spend a lot of time chasing this down in the Bible. Uh, we can if you want to. But notice this was supposed to be from the evening until the morning. Now, I don't think that's hard to understand, right? Uh, that God, you want, a, can't, you want lights on when it's dark outside, okay? You don't necessarily need to uh, light a candle in the brightness of the day. But when do you and I live? What is the time period right now? We are living in the dark. The Bible's illustration is we're waiting for the Son of Righteousness to arrive. Uh, The Bible talks about, wait till Jesus comes, it will be like a thief in the night. He talks about that right now, that this world is in darkness. Okay, we are in the evening to morning time. That is why the church has been given God's Holy Spirit. That is why we are the light of the world. We should be shining right now because we're in the night. Jesus is going to come soon. And Malachi talks about that. He calls him the Son of Righteousness, capital S-U-N, that he is going to arise. Jesus Christ, it will be coming to split the eastern sky. Even the sun coming up every morning reminds us of this. Right now, it's overnight. That's the time period we're in. Do you catch how this works? God says in Leviticus, I want you to let that light burn continually from the evening until the morning from when Christ left 
until Christ comes. Man, these things. I told you there's a bunch of stuff packed in these two, three verses here. Next slide. For we were sometimes darkness, but now ye are the children of light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You and I are, are a witness. We have God's Holy Spirit within us, and we need to squeeze our flesh out of the way so that the pure Holy Spirit can work in us, so that that light, He is that power that's behind it, and that through God's church, as we are in this time period where the Lord has gone away here, and we're in those nighttime hours when the light is needed the most, I'm telling you, the smallest light can shine the brightest when it's at its darkest. It walk as children of light. Next slide. There are three helps that God has given for us to shine, and we'll look a little bit more at this next week. But please remember the three important things that God has left us here. Number one is His Holy Spirit. Number two is His Word. Number three is His Church. All three of these things are pictured here. All three of these things are of utmost importance for you and I to be able to shine. First of all, if we're expecting that we can shine in the power of our own strength, not possible. The Holy Spirit has to be the one we depend on. If we uh, are lighting anything else, then those specific parts of the tabernacle and the one thing he lists here that we'll look at next week is the word of god that is the primary thing that we're supposed to be looking at and again we talk about the holy spirit the holy spirit is reminded and he would remind us of the things that christ had spoken we're supposed to light the word but also as his church we are a candlestick we are one of the things that God has founded this light to be shined through. Okay? Not that each individual can't be a light, but he's commissioned God's people as a unit, as a whole, as a church. So please, when we go out today, let your light shine continually. Don't let it go out. Because people will look at it and say, oh, wonder why that candle's not lit. Now, there's a couple other things here. This is neat. Um, I didn't really get into them heavy. Uh, one of the things that, um, that uh, Moses is reminded of to tell Aaron is that you need to make these things go in order. Okay? You need to order it. Uh, in other words, you need to be disciplined and make sure things are exactly the way they need to be. Um, I can't stand candles when they're at a level. My wife and I have a menorah-shaped thing, and you put candles in them, and you light the candles, but sometimes one candle burns more than the other. It's amazing. They're the same candle. I don't understand why one candle will get shorter. That drives me nuts. When you look over, well, it's, I, can't, I walk into doctor's office and stuff and straighten pictures out. Anybody else do that? If there's a picture crooked on the wall, I'm like, eh, okay, my OCD's kicking in. I've got to straighten it out. Well, this is kind of the same imagery here. He tells Aaron, I need you to order this. This is not something that should be done haphazardly. You know, ah, I wonder if the candles are burning today. No, it's something that we need to be disciplined to do every day. When you leave here today and you think, okay, Monday, candles burning. What do I have to do to make sure that's right? I can't, oops, one of them's out this morning, candles out. No, it has to be something that's set in order. There has to be a deliberate effort. And this is why, guys, we always say, are you reading your Bible every day? Not because I'm going to be checking. <laughs> All right. They didn't read their Bible this No, it's because we have to have a disciplined, orderly way in our lives so that we can be the witness that God wants us to be. Nothing happens accidentally. You don't get God's word by osmosis. All right? You can't put it under your pillow and hope it gets in there. You've got to be disciplined. So the main point that he says to uh, Moses and says, Aaron, put these things in order. Make sure that olive oil is all set, ready to go. Make sure it's a, you know, there's a discipline, there's an activity that must be planned. So folks, um, pray for me. I will be honest, I need to be a better light. 
because there are times where the things of this world and just my lackadaisical daily activity might let my candle go out. I don't want to do that. I want to be a witness anywhere and everywhere. And I hope you do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Father, even now, that is so important because the things that I have just spoken out loud mean absolutely nothing if it wasn't for your Holy Spirit. Father, there would be no way we could understand. There would be no way we could apply if it wasn't for the power of God, the Holy Spirit, three in one, part of the Trinity, giving us understanding of your word. But Lord, understanding that he is the power behind our light. Lord, we shine not in our own flesh. That flesh is beaten, it's pressed, it's put down so that the pure oil of God's Holy Spirit could help us to shine. And so, Father, please help us understand that. Lord, help us to understand the importance of a church. Lord, we are in that overnight period in the picture, in the darkness. Lord Jesus has gone home to be with the Lord, be with God for a little while. Someday he will come. And Lord, the light, the true light of the world will be here again. But Lord, it's that time between evening and morning And it's so important that our candle not be hid under a bushel, but that it's put out on a candle stand so it can light this world. So Father, please, please, there are so many people who need to see it and need to see it displayed in our lives. So Father, thank you. All the way back in Leviticus, all the way back when you're describing to Moses the way you want the priests to behave Lord, it's an amazing picture of exactly how you expect us to behave. Always amazes me. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.